Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. Welcome to a surprise episode of Cinema Chop Shop. I realized that we were in the middle of November and had not programmed anything pertaining to film noir. And so uh, Joey and I started talking and said, let's do a noir episode. I think, Chelsea, it may have been your idea to do a watch party. No. Okay. Uh, it was my idea, maybe. And uh, we thought it'd be cool to do a watch party of a, a, a film that all three of us really enjoy, and it's The Naked City. And... Uh, Anything anybody wants to say about it before we jump into the film? It's really good. Yeah, it, we're probably going to talk about like our favorite film noirs as we. Uh, I noticed I pronounced it in the French way, like Sean does. Film yes. noir. Uh, before this is over, this one has to be on any intelligent list of essential film noir, certainly. So we're going to be watching the Criterion uh, Blu-ray with the restoration. And uh, lucky for everyone, as of this recording, the exact same cut is available on YouTube, and I will put the links in the show notes so you can call that up for yourself instead of having to go rent it. it but uh, if you want to, I encourage you to. I encourage you to purchase it. It's a great film. So without further ado, I'm going to start this. Uh, we're going to go past the Criterion and Janice uh, introduction. There is about four or five minutes of introductory copy about the restoration of the film and the pains that they went to, and so instead of sitting through that in dead silence <laughs> i figured we would go ahead and advance so we're sitting on the pause screen uh with the master licensing presents i believe we're going to see this plus one other title and then it'll go straight into the universal logo so i'll give you a countdown if you can get it up to that and then we'll work on syncing each other up and then we'll enjoy the show all right everyone ready three two one and our DVD is spinning up to speed. And Telefilms FRPS Restoration for Preservation Project. And we're on the Universal International Spinning Globe with church bells a ringing. This title screen is like the comfort food of cinema for me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> The first time I saw this film, I didn't like this voiceover. I've grown to love it. 
I think that the voiceover was just used so badly after this that it, it reads badly, but this one is pristine, I think. This and that is actually the film's producer. He just said I, I'm he just said I'm gonna do the narration for this film. And what he said is very true about the uh, filming in New York that was very unusual at the time to do on location shooting. Um, I was reading the show notes and they were saying that the, the studio was like, why don't you just use the lot? We've got all of these sets. And he was like, no, 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 we're going to shoot in the city because as we all know, the city is as much a character in this film mm -hmm. as the actors themselves. I'd kill for those record players. <laughs> right. Then you go to this hard cut of dead silence. We're looking voyeuristically through the window, too. It's creepy to me. Mm -hmm. It's pretty raw. I mean... We just went from the Trinidad Club into a murder. Did I say a murder? <laughs> this movie is perhaps one of the best examples of a film noir hallmark. And this is a word that I've never actually, I've just learned recently. And I've never heard it pronounced aloud, so I may be murdering the pronunciation. The word's chiaroscuro, which means juxtaposing light and dark, light and shadow, which is, I think, a hallmark of film noir. And just the early scenes in this one, I think, are like a master class in that. Chiaroscuro is how Chiar I, I was That's how I was taught to say it. <laughs> in art class. <laughs> chiaroscuro. Look at that shot with those ropes. It's amazing. Just gorgeous perspective lines. Echoes the one from the, the battleship chains earlier, too. Yep. Wow. And beautifully obscuring the actual violence. Mm -hmm. Oh, just fantastic. That's my taint, bro. <laughs> I wonder if that was a dummy a body double or if he really chucked that guy into the river for the shot So are these real New York City apartments too, or is this? Yeah, this is none of its studio lot stuff. Wow. According to the notes, uh, this, this is all real apartments, real flats, all in New York City. I just learned today, and this might be apocryphal, so don't quote me on this. But word on the street is that Stanley Kubrick appears, a young Stanley Kubrick appears as an extra in this film. 
Oh, really? Huh. Oh, that didn't age well. Now, this, you, yeah. The source on that is uh, a YouTube film noir enthusiast, so I'm not 100% sure about that, but I'm going to pretend that it's real, even if it's not, because it's a fucking cool story. <laughs> yeah, that is. is cool. <laughs> Did he get fresh again? <laughs> Awfully white crowd, by the way. <clears throat> they really lean into the voiceover, too, don't they? It's not yeah, just a preamble. As, as I said, I was put off by it the first time I saw the movie. It was the only part as I recall in my review that I just was like this is the only thing keeping it from being a perfect film um, I've, I've long since gotten over that anybody who's heard me talk about this movie has heard me say that you know this is the template for Law and Order and all mm -hmm. of your other cop procedurals it is in some, I mean, it's a quintessential film noir, obviously, but it is in some ways a bit of an outlier in the genre, too, because it, it shows both sides of the law, like Law and Order, as you said, but it's less cynical, I think, than some film noir movies oh, yeah. because it really is on the side of Law and Order, more so than yeah. many films in the genre. Yeah. Did you know that this spawned a television series? I did not know that this spawned a television yeah. series. Is it called The Naked City? It is. And uh, you can watch episodes on YouTube uh, through Film Rise. So, is uh, it an anthology series or does it I've only watched the same I've character? only watched the first episode, so I don't know. Um, obviously, oh, Chelsea. The Chelsea District. That's me. But uh, yeah, not nearly. The first episode I saw was not nearly as good as this film, but um, beautifully shot, very much in the same vein. Uh, people choosing a life of crime and the police officers uh, who intervene uh, very much in the same uh, kind of uh, uh, plot threads. Yeah, I think I, I had a, a bit of a similar experience with you. The first time I saw this years and years ago, it didn't really hit home with me as much as it would come to upon subsequent viewings, but I think it's because this formula has been used. The it, This is the template for the police procedural. I don't know if it's the very first example of it, but it's an early one, and it's the one that is the most influential, obviously. And that that formula has come to just be just pervasive everywhere. Right. So... Um, the original name for this movie was Homicide, which, you know, mm -hmm. I'm glad they changed it, you know, but there was another, there have been other films called Homicide. There was the, the show Homicide, Life on the Streets, which kind of followed this same kind of, you know, template as well.
I think we've talked about the the actor playing the Irish cop. Uh, <laughs> he was from was it that John Wayne movie set in Ireland? The Quiet Man. The Quiet Man. Yeah, he's in that. This guy's awesome. Jabby. This is again a just a example of what made mid century mid 20th century I should say cinema so amazing if this had been filmed now and there's something to say for this we would have been up close and personal with the bloody mutilated oh, yeah. body of this woman and there's something to be said for the restraint that's shown And <clears throat> well there's a lot left to your imagination and that uh, that is often overlooked Before we started, uh, Joey, you were remarking about uh, how beautiful this print is. It's incredible. It's super crisp and just <laughs> the detail. Yeah. The detail is really beautiful. The blacks are super black. <laughs> what a way to phrase that question. <laughs> Who belongs to Who these? Who belongs to these? Another film noir trope here with fine, upstanding citizens being thrust into the gritty reality oh, of yes. life. Having to deal with the seedy underbelly of the, the world. On that opening shot of Manhattan, did you notice how sparse Central Park looked? Mm -hmm. Very bare looking. I would imagine that's one of the early airplane shots like that in cinema. Yeah. And very, I think you can actually hear the airplane motor. Mm -hmm. I wondered at the time if that was the real motor of the plane or if it was sound effects. I would love to know that. I don't know. But you can definitely see some tilt of the wing mm -hmm. where it kind of jostles a little bit. That's all done by drones now, of course. Yes, yes. <laughs> super smooth. His handling of of the public is just amazing. Mm -hmm. I love him. Oh yeah, he, he's a, he's just adorable. I'm obsessed. He looks like Walt Disney. <laughs> he does. 
Dun, dun, dun. This woman, this woman seems so shocked that someone would <laughs> steal her valuables. Slumber pellets. When did fingerprinting come into being? Um, I don't know. Have you ever read the book, The Alienist? Mm-mm. And there was a TV series that came out on TBS. Uh, that actually plays heavily into that book, and I believe it's set in like the 1860s, 1870s, really? 1880s, somewhere in that range. I'm no expert on fingerprinting. But that was brought up about how ludicrous it was to use that method to track criminals. Really leans into the procedural part of the police procedural here with the exacting details about exactly what they're doing with the evidence of them. Oh yeah. That wallpaper is amazing. Yep. Well, it's funny you should bring that up. Uh that that had to have been a deliberate choice to get very detailed with the uh the process because think about other movies of the time and you know it's more cops and robbers bang bang shoot out rush and run and you're going you're going in buddy and you know cuffing them and stuffing them you know this is really getting into a lot of the minutia and it's one of the things i really like about it And you can tell these are the actual buildings when you hear the audio too. How mm-hmm. shitty the audio is, mm-hmm. and that's some of the, that's uncontrollable. I mean, you're in a in a building that has these cavernous walls, and uh, you know noise is going to reflect. But in a sound studio, that would have been perfectly, you know, muted audio. Handsome? That's a weird way of putting it. I would be so pissed if someone right? described me as a handsome looking woman. I see this corpse bust through the door. You said what about me? <laughs> oh, a <My>. spanking. <laughs> that aged well too, Chelsea. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Woman gets out of hand. She was, just a, bit, gotta she was a bit loose. Cover. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right, Joey, give me one of your top noir films um, of all time. Uh, probably number one. I'll start there. Um, 
1955, Night of the Hunter. Okay. Rewatched very recently. Held up. Robert Mitchum's psychopathic preacher. Not a quintessential noir, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit late in the period, uh, but very dark, uh, which is obviously part of the formula. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it qualifies. Okay. You seen it? Um, I think so. It's funny. So many of these run together. There's a remake from the... Not, I want to say from the 90s. Yeah, I believe it. Um, one of my favorites... And these are not in order, but one of my favorites is uh, Scarlet Street with Edward G. Robinson, Joan Bennett, and Dan Durier. I have not seen this one. So Edward G. Robinson's like in a midlife crisis, and he kind of um, comes onto this young lady, and he's married, and he's just miserable. But he comes onto this young lady, and he he kind of like fancies himself a as a uh, a wealthy man and um, kind of gets in her good graces. Well, she's engaged to Dan Duryea's character and Duryea convinces her to con him out of this fortune that they think he supposedly has, but he's got nothing. It's a cool movie. More on that in a second. I wonder if those children are extras or if they were hired actors. Um, I believe that some of them may be just kids who are actually at play. Um, th- there were several people in the shots who were real reactions mm-hmm. to this movie being shot, not knowing what was going on. What was the title of that one again? Uh, uh, Scarlet Street. Scarlet Street. Scarlet oh. Street. Um, it's one that we did on the show years ago. And I don't. It wasn't on the Edward G. Robinson episode. It was not. Episode. I think I did that one. Dexter. Bet she does. <laughs> right. <laughs> well. Sounds pretty suspicious. <laughs> Why? Oh. <laughs> what a what a bedside manner. I love that reaction too. <laughs> what what? Oh, look at that gorgeous mm. outfit. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, what would you what would you call that? Is that a pillbox hat? Um, it's a little big for a pillbox, but it does have the same shape. I gotta see it again. <laughs> Not An- combat. I was another- in the musical South Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say another film noir trope is uh, male leads haunted by their experiences in In the war war two one or two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I think film noir in some ways is the most quintessentially inevitable 20th century art form. Yeah. Came right on the heels of like, you know, Hemingway, Fitzgerald era of modernism. Dealt head on with the realization that everything wasn't quite what it seems. Oh, yeah. Uh, the kind of dirty underbelly of post-war America. Yeah. Once you get past that veneer. All right, there's the hat, Chelsea. Um. Yeah, it does look a little big. I just love those stripes on that jacket. Yeah. What color do you think that jacket was? I think the jacket was green with yellow lapels and orange and black stripes. Very Af- African tribal. <laughs> here comes back. Here comes the uh, voiceover again. The Moira. Chelsea, any film noirs stand out for you? No, I don't really know a lot about it. My... This is where you say um, this movie. Well, I kind of feel like you already answered that. <laughs> and um... what you call it? Why am I blanking on the name? Frank Niles. That's a quintessential film noir name. Just... Frank Niles. Frank Niles. Oh, the episode we did with Joey. Why am I blanking on our movie? The last episode you were on. Oh, Nightmare Alley. Uh, Nightmare Alley. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which has very noir elements, but a very strange setting. Yeah, I mean, people think of film noir as the... Like the private investigator, mm-hmm. Sam Spade kind of thing. And certainly that's an element of it. But I think it's a little... I think you can expand it a little bit beyond that. It's... To me, film noir is essentially, it's a crime. It's in the crime genre, obviously. Mm -hmm. There's a crime that happens. The thing that distinguishes film noir is that it's very cynical. Cynical. I was going to say cynicism is a pervading theme. And I think that's what I'm saying. In some ways, it's like the, the, the most quintessentially just maybe inevitable 20th century art form because... We like to think back on this era as very innocent. You know, big, oh, yeah. Big band music and 50s sitcoms and post-war boom and all that kind of stuff. And film noir reminds us that there's always been that just seedy, dirty, dangerous underbelly to all of that. Uh-oh. I mm. told you I was in the play. not buying any of that yeah (sighs) 
One of the uh, the symptoms of the streaming era that we're in now is that I've seen this movie three or four times. I'm familiar with this movie. I have a very definite emotional imprint in my mind in this movie. I don't remember exactly who committed the murder. I know, right? <laughs> I do. You do? Okay. But we see so, I see so many stories now, you know. Yeah. In the VHS era, you'd watch movies over and over again. Now, you bounce around. Mm hmm. Plus, I'm almost 50 years old and my memory's shot. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Can confirm and attest to the same. <laughs> what an indictment. <laughs> We're doing that right now. <laughs> this guy runs hot and cold. Another film noir trope. Has this tie always been tucked into his pants? I don't know. I think probably. <clears throat> In the remake, this is crypto. He's a crypto bro. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I got chop shop on it. just described Drew Carey from the Drew Carey <laughs> show. Is he still doing the prices right, by the way? Yeah. He's crazy skinny. Really? It's weird. <laughs> Oof. Interesting, because remember when the opening shots, they went, they were in the Trinidad club mm-hmm. before the murder. I've always wondered if people really dressed this well um, in the uh, 40s and 50s or if that's a Hollywood thing that's um, I mean you see like you see footage of Yankees games from you know from the 40s and 50s and everybody's in suits and ties yeah and now you, you see the crowd and it's like you know middle aged dudes pounding beers in like a you know Derek Jeter jersey or something t-shirt you know? yeah <laughs> I say this as someone who does not own a tie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. The two men are following you. All right, Joey, give me another uh, top 
noir. Well, before we do that, uh, oh. did we confirm? I saw you googling. Did we confirm that Kubrick is in the movie or not? Is that is that a real piece of trivia or is that something? I've not up? heard that. Um, I, I I can look that up. Uh, so uh, another one. Um, okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and get my basic bitch one out of the way. Um, this one is obvious. It should be on anybody's top ten list, and it's double indemnity. Mine. It's on mine. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot to say about that film. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps the quintessential film noir. Yeah. I mean, you've got um, Edward G. Robinson mm-hmm. again. Uh, that's two for me. Um, and then you have um, Fred McMurray. McMurray or McMurtry? McMurray. Yeah, from uh, My Three Sons. And, McMurtry is the Lonesome Dove author. And then the uh, um, Femme Fatale was uh, Stan... Not Stanwick, was it? Um, John Bennett? Hang on. We'll let you answer that. Yeah, we're going to find this one out. Barbara Stanwyck, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's one of my faves. Um, this is one that I know that you liked. I Wake Up Screaming mm-hmm. with Victor Mature. Mm-hmm. And, I do. I actually and Laird Krieger. Put, mm-hmm. I considered putting that one on my top five. It, it was it was definitely an honorable mention. Uh, Laird Krieger, we, we spoke about this guy. Uh it wasn't too long ago that I discovered him. It, well, I think it was that movie was the first one. Yeah. The wake up, I wake up screaming. There was another like London Gothic one we watched around the same time. Yeah. Uh, can't remember the title of it. He's an amazing actor. And a horrible, kind of a horrible story. fate. Yeah. Yeah. Died pretty early of a heart attack. Yeah. He he lost a ton of weight way too fast, and it taken some sort of pretty much killed speed, him. Yeah. basically whatever that was called back then. J.P. McGillicuddy. That's what I'm going to name my brewery when I open it. Okay. J.P. McGillicuddy's. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, bless. <laughs> Oh, handsome, 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 handsome. Again. there it goes again, Chelsea. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> so that whole scene, I'd forgotten about that scene. It's, it's now, crazy. It's mad That's a uh, comic relief. But, you know, there are those people in crime Oh, God, yeah that, yeah, that still happens. Like, they, yeah. yeah, psychics who think they know where the location of a dead body or whatever, yeah. <laughs> a little moment oh, this of, guy's amazing. A little moment of levity there. All right, so let's see if we see Stanley Kubrick. Oh yeah, I was, I was trying to Google that. Oh, there he is, right there. No. <laughs> there really wasn't a whole lot of filming on location going on at this time during this time period, was there? Wow, what, wow, what, just, wow, oh. the composition on that shot, and oh god, how claustrophobic that is. Yuck. I can smell that shot. Right? So apparently he was on the set taking photos. And he appeared on screen? That's what they're trying to say. Um... Surely there's some kind of film nerd somewhere who found him, right? Okay, here we are back in the uh, idealized mid-century. What year was this movie made? Post-war, right? Late forties. Um, love that shorts outfit. Uh, nineteen forty-eight. Yeah. So the height of post-war wholesome optimism 20th century Americana optimism our musical cue puts us back in that mood too very much so Chelsea what do you make of that outfit I don't know there's a lot happening I like the shorts I hate the top okay is it the, uh, uh, the the lace lace trim? It's the 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 cropness of it. Oh, okay. All. Yeah. She seems so excited. Oh well, you know, this is the highlight of her day. Mm. Oh. oh, he's so woke. Good for him. So in honor of the film noir, I've been drinking stouts all night since they're dark and black and <laughs> shadowy and mysterious. What is this one? This one's uh, from Burial Brewing in uh, Asheville. It's their famous skillet donut stout. Oof. If you've never had it, you should enjoy. Some. I will try a little bit here. Let me let, let me go take clean your time. Out my glass here. Take your time. Here you go. You just take the can. Mm. 
us alone. You have more if you like. Oh my God, what a shot that was. We missed it, but wow. Oh, this is just sad. I don't like this scene. Oh, yeah? Mm-mm. <clears throat> Again, the high um, echo on the audio, the, just the high ceilings in this building. Mm-hmm. I have to think that they there was a conversation about that. It was a give and take because they wanted to film on location, but that was, you know, a casualty of the audio quality was a casualty of not being on a studio lot. Mm-hmm. Wow. Another film noir common film film north theme is the class tension yeah and so many femme fatales are come from dirt poor backgrounds and mm-hmm. are, yeah so i guess i'll direct this this question to chelsea as our resident woman mm-hmm. uh film noir obviously has a very complicated relationship uh to feminism so if you do like a feminist reading of it it often comes up lacking but it's actually kind of complicated because the femme fatale character itself you might argue these are very strong female characters but what do you make of that i don't think i've seen enough with within the the this whole genre to to really make a statement to that but this one surprises me with even just the line before when she was like, you need to go take care and whip this boy. And he's like, it's not a man's job. Mm-hmm. And like, not even in a joking condescending. I mean, obviously he's trying to get out of it, but he's genuinely asking. Why do I have to do this? Yeah. yeah. Um, I watched one uh, two days ago. Sorry. Go ahead, Joey. Yeah. I'd I, I love how we're watching that scene from way, way up, up above. Yep. And it's the, the, probably the most heart-wrenching intimate scene in the movie but we're watching it from this yeah. really detached camera angle go, i'm sorry go ahead no it's okay i watched one a couple of days ago uh where <clears throat> the femme fatale actually was smart you know this happens many times a very smart woman mm-hmm. who is looking out for herself but also in this one she kind of uh made choices that not only impacted her destiny, but also kind of uh, kept the uh, the main character from danger. Uh, it just there, there are all kinds. It's a good, it's a good point you raised, though, because the femme fatale, of course, being one of the icons of the film noir, and uh, in many cases, uh, more agency is given to the femme fatale than a lot of women in films of that era. Yeah, on the one hand, they're very often the most, the smartest, most powerful characters in the film. But there's also the insinuation that female power is always tinged with evil. <laughs> you know, so it's complicated. I think. It is. And they certainly, they seem to know how to play their sexuality against the male characters in the film. 
in the films. Wanting too much. That's why she went wrong. You could say mm-hmm. that about almost every femme fatale character. This one we never get even see on screen. Meter, no. yeah. Poor thing. Why wasn't she born mm-hmm. ugly? Why did she take after me and not her father? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that is heart-wrenching. God damn. Wow, wow. Just the composition of these just transitional shots is... Mm-hmm. Fuck. Oh, wow. Spotted a black guy in the crowd, by the way. You know, what a scene right there. Wow. Uh, so I have to think that New York City in 1948 would have been more cosmopolitan and more diverse than what we're seeing here. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much of that was intentional. I don't, I mean,. I think it was. I mean, it was the casting, the staging, was, yeah, and, just, and their extras on the street. I mean, yeah, it's just indicative of the racism in America that you know these movies were put out for white people who would pay to go see movies, and there was no thought given to the representation of a, you know, Manhattan's true population. Not just African Americans, but uh, Latinos. I mean, as there well. would have been Asians in yeah, New York City at that time. Yeah, hundred percent. So, am I conflating this guy with someone else? But uh, Lieutenant uh, Muldoon here, Daniel Muldoon, uh, the Irish character, mm-hmm. is he in a Disney esque horror movie from the seventies as a very old man? The actor Fitzgerald. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe he is crazy. Um. Well, first of all, he died in '61. So no, he is so not. The so I think he, what? No. <laughs> what box is he checking in my in my mind? Yeah. All right. So another. Uh, film noir that I really really liked is uh, an a, a Japanese film noir Ooh. which most of the Japanese film noirs came out in the 60s even the late 60s but they were affecting these uh, American noirs mm-hmm. from the 40s and 50s this called Intimidation I have who's, who I haven't seen this I, I've seen uh, some of uh, Kurosawa's early, early stuff mm-hmm. is sort of film noir-ish uh, this one clocks in at just over an hour mm. and it is uh, about a bank manager who's being blackmailed for cooking the books and uh, he has to deceive the staff including um, 
this his childhood friend who's now a meek underling who keeps getting passed over for promotions uh, to aid him in stealing from the bank. It is a very tightly woven, you know, very short movie, and it's really good. What's the title of it again? Intimidation. Intimidation. I will definitely check that out. And it's on the Criterion uh, Noir little section. I have... uh... Let me get another one of my basic bitch picks out of the way. Um, This one is probably number one on many lists, and it's the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Uh, John Huston, 1941, based obviously on the Dashiell Hammett novel. Uh, Humphrey Bogart as Sam Spade. Maybe the quintessential film noir. It hits all the marks uh, for sure. This guy's a little bit of a pervy weirdo, by the way. Oh, yes, he is. Claiming that he did it, and he's all, like, writhing and getting squirmy about it. Like, it turns him on to talk about what he did, but he didn't do. Yeah. What do you think of the stout, by the way? It's good. It's very good. I don't uh, don't drink stouts often enough to really have a comparison point, but I like it. It's a hefty 8%. That's good because the the beer that I brought, I I brought a Voodoo Ranger Tallboy, and it's at 9%. So okay. I'm going to be lit when I'm finished with this in here. Good. Love that cut, Mrs. Elton. There it is. <laughs> His tie is bothering me in this scene. Who's uh, Muldoon's? Muldoon's like the 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 back part of the tie. The small end is long. Is the way he's tied it's longer than the front end. And oh god, it's just so. Good. I think it speaks to uh, just how long they've been working Disheveled. on the case. Yeah, they're <laughs> just just they're, they've just followed every lead and they're at wit's end. Yeah, and now he's gonna, probably going to be all. Properly buttoned up and ready to go. How tall do you think Fitzgerald is? 
I mean, he's shorter than everybody on set. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a small guy. He's probably like a five foot, five one, five two guy. Something like that. Yeah. Wonderful. Love to glitter. <laughs> the young cop uh, that's partnered with Muldoon he looks a lot like a, like a young Johnny Carson almost. He kind of does. Yeah, you're right. He also looks like one of the Venture Brothers. Oh, Vasa. Chelsea, what do you make of her hairline? <laughs> it's a wig. <laughs> That's a wig? Kind of looks like it. Speaking from experience, she's got a five head. <laughs> like me. Now he's got the longer back end of the tie tucked into his pants. Yeah, yeah. He's put together now. <laughs> he commanded a lot of seriousness right there with that one little utterance. He does. He has very expressive eyebrows as well. Mm -hmm. Jamal. I like the pattern on her top, by the way. Yeah. Or dress or whatever she's wearing. I wonder what the uh, particular difficulties of filming at night during this era might have been. Probably just as difficult as anywhere else. You know, we we watched a lot of Hammer Horror back in October, and there were so many scenes where there were night supposedly night shots, but very clearly daytime shots with like blue filters. Mm -hmm.
Whoa! No, I'm shooting back though. <laughs> I feel like there are lots of fire escape scenes in film noirs mm-hmm. as well. Well, especially the ones set in New York. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a, and that's that. This covers film in general. Wow, that chiaroscuro there was. <laughs> I'm glad I learned how to. I'm glad I finally learned how to pronounce that word. Well, I'm only passing along how it was told to me, so I only hope I'm right. I uh, I dated this this woman once. For uh, we, we dated for like ten years, but um, she was in her late 20s or early 30s um when she realized that the word misled mm-hmm. she had only seen it in print i guess and she thought it was misled. oh so she read it aloud as misled. okay I, was, I think you mean misled but there's wow. a lot of words like that that i've i've uh never heard pronounced but i've seen uh-huh and that's not one i use in conversation very often so I never learned phonics, so I can't pronounce anything. Maybe some whiskey would help. I had a friend in college who uh, pronounced pseudo as suedo. 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 <laughs> that makes so much sense, though. It <laughs> does. It, that's the way I, you read it. Suedo. Whiskey is not the thing to mix with chloroform. No. Oh, wow. Gosh. That was a real slap. That was a good one. Second time that's been used to describe someone in this movie. Fantastic. I love him so much. Is that a rifle hanging above their window? Yes. What a strange place to put a rifle. In front of the blind like that? Yeah, that's weird. Uh-oh. Uh, the jig is up. There's the there's very minimal score in this movie. So when the score does come in, you know it's it's important. Yes. 
Yeah, baby days. That's underwear. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. Jimmy? <laughs> More stolen goods. Whoa, look at that glamour lighting mm-hmm. on her. <laughs> Dude, I would kill for that desk. Glamour lighting. Oof. She's going to have it out right here. <clears throat> yep. They got it in the South Pacific when I was in the military. (laughs) (laughs) Tell them. Look at her look of shock on her face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you ever seen the film noir with uh, Orson Welles as like the really bad guy? It's set in Mexico. And, um, oh shit. Um, Charlton Heston plays a Mexican law enforcement agent. Mm, no, I don't think I have. Oh my God, you've got to see it. It's so good. It's really a good one, as ridiculous as that all sounds. <laughs> oh. No, no, let her have one more. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised Muldoon didn't speak up and say, give her another one. Well, back to the hanging gun on the fireplace. There's a big hanging sword. Yeah. <laughs> but the alligator purse. Can we shut this window and shut up these damn kids?
somebody had a busy night. Mm-hmm. He also looks a lot like Luke Wilson. Owen Wilson's brother? Yeah, but like better looking. Well, yeah. He has that aw shucks quality. Oh, 100%. But, and that's why yeah. he's so good in this role. You've got this very green detective paired up with this street smart and yet wisdom from years and years on the job. It's a great combo. And again, getting back to our original thing about templates, I mean... How many times have you seen that with the uh, the worldly wise veteran paired up with the green rookie? Yeah, that would become formulaic in the decades to come, yeah. How many jobs do you know would let you smoke a pipe on the clock? It was a different time. I mean, other than Mall Santa. It always trips me out when you see movies from this era and people are smoking on planes. And- oh, <laughs> smoking everywhere at every opportunity. That's just Europe. <laughs> that is Europe. I wonder if years and years from now people are going to be doing something similar with movies from this era and they're they're having a conversation about vaping in the same way I would hope so vaping or using handheld devices don't you know we have all that in our heads now yeah. <laughs> can you imagine having your hands tied up with a how quaint everyone's <laughs> staring into their iPhones oh, you know? <laughs> bunch of cavemen Husky. I was waiting for it. I'm kind of glad they don't say Husky on the third instance. Just, I don't understand why I don't have one. (laughs) Listeners, Chelsea wants a harmonica, by the way. (laughs) So if there are any listeners out there for like a week, any listeners who want to send Chelsea a harmonica, uh, email us at uh, whatever, cinemachopshop at gmail.com. We're always checking that.
<laughs> Harmonica player. <laughs> I didn't realize harmonica playing was such a Taboo. black mark. You might want to rethink character. this, Chelsea. No, I. It's a perfect fit. The UFC training. <laughs> Tickle fight. Totally straight. <laughs> I was going to say that. Here comes the uh, the uh, controversial homoerotic scene. Nothing wrong with what they're doing. Now we scissor. <laughs> now there's a, there's a cool film noir about uh, a boxing. I mean, I'm sure there are a few. But there's one in particular about hiring a boxer... Uh, from a from a foreign country, and he's got a, a a very thick Russian accent, and his manager's very oh, much. This is Russian. Rocky Four. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they may have used it for inspiration, um, but it was uh, about uh, they were trying to get this boxer into their fold and cut the uh, manager out of the uh, equation. And I forget the rest of the story, but it was another one. You know, they, they all run together. You know, there's so I, I many... feel certain that a friend of the podcast and now former guest Todd would tell you exactly what set me straight. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the problem. I I see so many of these, and they all just kind of meld together in my mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love that, that we, we're talking about Williamsboro Bridge. We're talking about, you know, Brooklyn. And they're talking about New York's east side, like it's some shithole. And you fast forward to today, and it's just <laughs> like, you know. Hipster city, trendy. Everything's gentrified. Everything's expensive. You still have a little bit of that in Queens if you want to see kind of what they're showing you here. This, uh, Again, we were talking about earlier about the, uh, uh, the the diversity. Now we're in the East Side. We're 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 talking to uh, you know immigrants and uh, very uh, Eastern European looking people. And... Yeah, we just saw an Asian face on camera. Well, this guy just cannot stay out of his office. <laughs> Oh, no, you haven't, Sonny. 
Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst punch. <laughs> yeah. He's probably kicking himself afterwards. Man, I really blew my shot, man. Damn it. I I challenge you to find me someone from Boston who talks like that. Great care. <laughs> what a piece of shit this guy is. Right? <laughs> mm. I love the lack of enunciation on that question. Who's Henderson? I like ice. So I call Kanye. I see Jewish people in the background. <laughs> Let me unveil a new another uh, from my list here. Mm. Yeah, hit it. Uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, the dark horse from my list. Um, this is one that doesn't get a whole lot of cachet in film noir circles, and it is "They Live by Night." Yes, uh, that's one I think I came to from the Criterion Channel's Noir November last year, maybe. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, directed by Nicholas Ray, Farley Granger, and Kathy O'Donnell uh, as hmm. sort of teenage Bonnie and Clyde sort yeah, of characters. Yeah, okay. okay. Underrated, I think, uh, film noir. Have you ever seen The Woman in the Window? Mm. It's another Edward G. Robinson. It's another pairing with Joan Bennett. Um, he's a middle-aged professor, and he gets into a relationship with a femme fatale, and then he's 
thrown into this world of blackmail and murder. But the cool, not really cool, but because the film was so dark and gritty for its time, to get through, to get to code, they throw a, a, a whammy at you at the end. It was all a dream. <laughs> And he, it's just that made it okay. Well, he, he it starts out with him like walking outside of this building, and there's this painting in the uh, in like a display window, and he stares at the painting. And it's this beautiful woman, and in the movie that later becomes Joan Bennett, mm-hmm. and it ends with him just staring at the painting, and it's just like so. This is all just fantasy, so it's okay that it was this grisly, dark film noir movie, which. So- Clarify something for me. Like we we talk about pre-code movies, and you can feel when it happens because bef- before the code kicked in, there's some pretty dark shit that happens in those movies, and it it seems jarring because you don't expect that from mm-hmm. the era. When when what's the time? To, the Hayes Code. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, it would hit in 1934. Okay. 34 through 68. And then, of course, in 68, when the MPAA took over with mm-hmm. the rating system. And then, of course, you had X-rated movies like A Clockwork Orange and... Pink Flamingos. Yeah, so th- then that kind of loosened up and then it shifted and R kind of became the overarching adult rating mm-hmm. until NC-17 kicked in. And PG-13 became that delineation in the mid-80s between PG and R. The very sparse score kicks in again. Yep. Good point. She looks haggard. Mm-hmm. This guy looks like he should play a Nazi. Uh, yeah, or a big game hunter, <laughs> who is also a Nazi. <laughs> you know who the underrated performer in this movie is? Is the dude with the glasses with the little mustache who sits over <laughs> in the corner? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. He's in all, like, almost all the shots because uh-huh. he's like the, the the I guess the the police secretary maybe he's just like jotting notes down for Muldoon the whole time doesn't say shit look at him mm-hmm. almost feel like he's he represents us as the viewer sort of like taking yeah. it all in yeah. Yeah, good observation, Joey. He does look like he would be a Nazi. God. Wow. Such, such great writing within the pulpy confines of the genre here. Mm-hmm. Well, well.
I've conflated this movie in my mind with another film noir that is very heavily weighted in the newspaper industry. Um, and it had to do with, uh, I feel like if there was not, there was a murder with some socialites or something. Mm -hmm. And like the reporters ended up confronting the socialites in their very big, huge, uh, apartment flat, um, now I can't even think of what movie that would even be. I feel like I've seen this film, and if we weren't recording, I could tell you exactly yeah, what the title of it was, but I, it escapes me at the moment. Yeah, film noir just kind of meshes into my mind. Oh my God. Yeah, I remember. I remember this scene being shocking the first time that I saw this movie. He tried to jump out the fucking well, window. Man. A, a, well, then let's considering that that is a real building, a real with window, a real window, yeah, yeah. and not a set. That kind of ups the ante quite a bit. Which now that I know this, that's that gave me a completely different reaction than the first oh, time he, I he saw it. He could have fucked that up. He could have fucked up and slipped and. <laughs> You're hooked and you know it. The jig is up. Okay, we get it. We get it. Oh, this scene. Look at that tie. It bothers me because I know that there's a long, the end of the tie is very long and is probably tucked into his Probably wrapped pants. around his testicles. Watching all these film noirs this month, I'm reminded of that Family Guy sketch with the... Uh, Fast talking high pants. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's hella casual. Oh, yeah. What's funny is that he's not that ripped. No, he's... He, he's he, he's yeah. got that 50s physique. He's got like that Charles Atlas. Yeah, kind of uh-huh. Yeah. He's not on the juice. Well, not yet. He's got a roid up. He does shave his chest, though. Yeah. Oh, no! Oh, shit! Did not see that coming. He just, like, wiped off his armpit sweat and put it in his face. I used to do that to my sister. That's gross. Growing up, yeah. I used to smother her with my socks. I think 
this is where this film becomes film noir because up to this point, it's been pretty much focused on the cops. Yep. Yep. And on the investigation, the the law and order side. Well, then up until if it had continued that way, I don't think you could in all honesty, call it a film noir. No, no, it was, uh, be just crime drama. Look how high those shorts are. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit. Again, the violence is off camera. Mm-hmm. Phone operations seem so complicated. Oh my and- God, yes. <laughs> the human element. Wow, of it. man. <laughs> He's going to go deal blackjack after this. So that's a. I don't know if it's a green screen the same way that we yeah. know it now, but that was a green screen. Yeah. Or, yeah. What the fuck are you keeping in that fucking bin there? It was full of shit. Was it a freezer or was it? It looked like a bathtub with a lid. What a dump. So this big chase scene, the big climax, um, the director of the film was very concerned about it because they kind of were falling into the trap of your typical chase scene. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's in the, in the criterion package, there's a letter that he wrote to the, um, producer. Well, here's a little vertigo action. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he wrote a letter to the producer and said, you know, we're, we've fallen into this trap of doing a chase scene that's been done a million times already. And, we're not being true to ourselves with this movie in terms of making the city the star of the film. And, uh, and so he kind of pumped the brakes on the whole thing and they had to reconfigure because he did not want it to turn into this very hackneyed kind of car chase. Interesting that that was already hackneyed at that. Yeah. Uh huh. 
so is this a graveyard in the courtyard there? Is that? Yep. Wow. We like to keep Mima close. I would love to uh, take a tour of New York, like a naked city tour of your of New York City to see these locations now. Now, yeah, that would be interesting. <clears throat> oh, the ice vendor there. You see that? Mm. Nice. And this is where the city really becomes a big star. Mm. This, how are you chasing this person in the midst of this throng of people? So all those are extras. Mm, not many of them. Many of them. Wow. Like a cattle mover. Mm-hmm. Look at this guy behind him. What a character. Is he carrying a cat? I don't... Yes! He's carrying a cat! <laughs> <laughs> One-handed. <laughs> Yeah, that's not suspicious at all. And and now the voiceover is speaking to the character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's kind of weird. <laughs> oh, you're about to lose your head. Here we go. That's a tip off. I don't understand the street here. Why they're just. Yeah, I don't know what. I would not know where to drive, okay? Yeah, no, I would not want to drive that. Yeah. Fucking asshole. Killed a fucking guide dog. What a dick. This cinematography is it's just gorgeous. fucking phenomenal. Look wow. at that. 
I, I love the fact that, you know, these people are doing their thing and these guys are running through and some of them notice and some of them don't. Mm-hmm. Like the kid on the roller skates just kept on zipping past. Mm-hmm. Not looking so fit now, are you, Garza? You shouldn't skip leg day, bro. Yeah, that's what happens when you 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 right. cap off a workout with a pack of Winston's. <laughs> Have you seen the new noir? New noir. Have you seen the noir and the new twentieth century collection on Criterion? Where they're drinking orange juice before bed. No, I saw you tweeting oh about it. Oh my god, you've got to watch that movie. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. That gives me that gives me horrible heartburn just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. About it. <laughs> Big glass of OJ right before uh, bed. I would yeah, I'd be up all night. Oh god. <laughs> Oh God! This is maybe it's just—it's beautiful. This is gorgeous, man. It, I mean, it, wow. It's not gonna end well for you, Garza. Total ADR, by the way. His mouth was not moving. such a cool shot because here he is facing a life or death situation and within within eye shot you've got people just casually playing tennis because yeah. they're oblivious to what's and, going and on that goes back to what i was saying earlier about i think one of the the tenets of film noir is class struggle yeah it really is but i think it also speaks to just the the sheer size of new york and how these things happen, yet you, you go about your life. There's eight million city, uh, eight million stories. Yes. In the, the, thank uh, you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love this movie. Oh God. Fuck you. (laughs) Oh, nice shot. Clunk. Again, modern day, you'd have seen the body hit and continue plummeting. There'd be like a slow-mo blood spurting up from it. (laughs) Wow, look at that. Wow. Night on the town. Oh my God. 
Just sweep it up like yesterday's news. Mm-hmm. Oh. Bravo. Bravo. Yeah, that's a great. That's a that's a great great movie. It's one of the best film noir uh one of the best examples of film noir. Perhaps not the quintessential one though because it's no. a little bit of an outlier yeah, because it is. of how much it focuses on the cops. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, the murder itself is not really the focal point Mm -hmm. of the film. Mm -hmm. We don't know anything about the girl. We're not vested in her story or her death. We're just brought in as a matter of fact, just like a cop is. Still great. Still great. I love it. We didn't get really talk about the last of our our film noir movies, but I'll I'll run mine off here at the very end. Uh, Another one that's not quintessential noir... Uh, but Sunset Boulevard? Yes. I count it. I count it. I've seen that show up on many lists. Um, and uh, was that the only one I didn't mention? I think so. Great film. Hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, we should do more. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down for that anytime. We should, we should do more yeah. film noir that stuff. Was that was fun. Chelsea, thank you for hanging in there. Uh, I know you're in some discomfort oh, yeah. from the surgery. So bravo to you for sticking it out. Next episode... Oh God, I, we got to prepare for this. Uh, it's, we're, we're doing the uh, um, Star is Born times four. There's wait, there's four of them. Four of them. We've seen three. We're still we still have to see the uh, Barbara the Barbara Streisand version. Yeah, I was shocked when I learned when I watched the the Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga one not too terribly long ago, and uh, which it's actually a very different movie than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was shocked. I thought that was the the remake. I, there's been, but then I realized there was like one from the 30s or something. That's the original from the 30s. That and one's you, great. Yeah, it's good. And then you got the Garland version, and then that one's uh, terrible. And then you, we still have to watch the Streisand version. Anything to get Travis back on the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for us tonight. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed following along with this movie that we love. And hopefully you found a new favorite, too. Uh, As always, uh, please find us on social media at Cinema Chop Shop. And you can watch an audio presentation of this on YouTube with the search Cinema Chop Shop Podcast. Anything to plug, JoJo? Mm, Not at the moment. I'm just upset that we didn't get to sing Let's All Go to the Line. I know, I know. That's uh, maybe next time we'll get you on again. I think we still have to do our programming for December and figure out what we're going to do until next time. Please remember to watch chop retrofit. Retrofit. <laughs>